Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good Line Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato. I'm Brian Higgins. And we are here to do a bonus episode. This week, we put out a episode on contentment. And you can find it on our podcast, The Good Lion Podcast. And we just want to answer some questions from people in our group chat on Instagram. This question comes from Sam Buccelli. Here's what he says. I think it would be awesome if you guys touched on the idea of where the line is between contentment and complacency. I feel as if we are not constantly seeking and being sensitive to the spirit then that line can become blurred. What do you think, Brian? I think you can apply that statement to any line. If we are not constantly seeking and being sensitive to the spirit, all lines blur. So that's true. Definitely you're onto something there. Speaking Mm. specifically to complacency. Yeah. What is, what is complacency? That's a word maybe that not everyone uses. Yeah. That's a word that can just kind of get thrown around. I think it's settling into whatever state you're in with no Mm. desire to push beyond that state. Just kind of accepting, all right, this is where I am. And I guess this is where I'll always be. So I feel like as youth pastors, we fought that a lot with kids in youth Mm -hmm. ministry. Did you feel that way? Yeah. So I called it apathy. And basically it was this idea of kind of the average American Christian saying, I go to church, I got saved at camp, I got baptized. Like, what else do I need? Like, do I really need to pursue Jesus and develop my relationship with him? Do I really need to study scripture? Do I really need to serve my community and look for ways to preach the gospel and be the church? I I find so much in so many people, young people specifically, but really everyone, even in my own life, there's this temptation, this, this whispering call towards apathy to just say, you know, everything's fine and I don't really need to apply myself or, or, or challenge myself in any way. And before we talk about what's negative about that, let's talk about what's positive within that. Okay. That's coming, I think, from an understanding that Jesus alone makes us right with him. You know, Mm. to some degree, the, the polar opposite is... I need to work my way into the kingdom of God. And that's not true. That is how I lived my life as a young Christian. Um, Me too. I thought that's how it worked. Like if I am not reading my Bible and praying every single day, I'm not being a good Christian. God is not happy with me and I have to make up for it. To We talked about this in that one episode, Mm -hmm. uh, Devoted devotions versus real devotion. But yeah, just that idea of I need to be doing more and being more as a Christian in order for God to be happy with me. Yeah. So there's an element of complacency that points to something that is good if used right. It's an assurance that God makes me enough, so that's okay. However, Mm. the Bible is very anti-laziness. The Mm. Bible is so, so clearly against laziness. And so jumping back to your youth ministry picture for a second, you talked about how you'd be fighting apathy in your students. Yeah, just not caring. When we'd picture that apathy, it normally would look like a teenage boy spending his entire life playing video games in his basement. Right. Never caring to try to do anything. And I I guess maybe if that kid was like training for esports, then that might not be (laughs) complacency. But generally it looks like I'm not going to try to go do anything in the world around me. I'm just going to do what's comfortable and what makes me feel happy in this moment, or at least feel okay in this moment. 
and never try to move beyond where I am. Yeah. And it doesn't just have to be the stereotype of, you know, the, the boy playing video games. It can be really anything. It can be, you know, when we're just, we spend our day Netflixing, scrolling through our phone, or even like, let's say that you have a very productive life. You're killing it at your job. You're exercising. Um, you're doing all of these things that seem on the outside to be very hardworking, good work ethic. But then when it comes to your faith and your, your mm-hmm. following of Jesus and growing in the way of Jesus, that's where the apathy and complacency is, where it's like, I go to church. Like, isn't that what it's about? You just, you show up at church and I read my Bible once in a while. And so, yeah, what is that balance between contentment where it's like, okay, I'm safe in Jesus. I'm secure in mm-hmm. Jesus. I don't have to be more, you know, remember the the story of when Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist and, you know, the dove descends and lands on Jesus. And it's that beautiful moment where God says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And that happens before Jesus's ministry even starts. He hasn't really done any miracles. He hasn't preached any sermons. He's just been a carpenter. So there's this reality of God is pleased with us. He loves us. We don't have to be more or do more to earn his love and respect and acceptance. But then how can we move from that contentment to away from complacency where we actually want to grow in our discipleship to Jesus. Well, I think part of it is look at that exact moment. Jesus Mm. is told before his ministry that the father is pleased in him and he doesn't sit there and go, oh, cool. So I guess me and my disciple bros, we're just going to go hang out at my house and play pre, not prehistoric video games, but Jesus wasn't prehistoric, but Pac-Man. Yeah. Pac-Man and Pong. That's all that was available during Jesus' time. Those were available when Jesus was alive. They were. They were. Yeah. So I think that Jesus didn't let that moment create laziness in him. And that's where I brought up the point. The Bible is so clearly anti-laziness. In Mm. Proverbs 10, verse 4, it says, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent mm. hands bring wealth. Okay, so what do we mean by wealth there? Because some people work really hard and they get nothing, but then there's other people who get famous for being good looking and they just rake in the cash sitting around on their iPhones getting paid to post selfies. So Yeah, so this brings us back to what does it mean to even read a proverb at all? And one of my yeah. favorite phrases in helping me understand the Proverbs is Proverbs ain't promises. Hmm. So it's not that we can look at any one verse in Proverbs and they're, say... They're principles, yes, not promises. They're right? principles, yeah. they're not promises. Okay. They are general guidelines where when you look at life for the most part, this is the way things work. And so they create wisdom that doesn't say that exceptions are impossible to these rules. Right. But those are exceptions to them, not the standard way of operating. And I think, so I want to contextualize that verse. So Proverbs 10, 4, lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. So I think that's something where when it comes to the world, like the way the world works, again, you could be somebody who you work your tail off for 20 years and you're barely making it financially. And then there's people who just have dumb luck. But what if we talk about spiritual wealth? I think that's something where you don't really find very many people who aren't actually seeking Jesus, who then find themselves spiritually wealthy 
where they're just filled with the peace of God and the contentment of God and just the, the, the communication and connection with Jesus. If we're not following Jesus, if we're not listening to his voice, we're not going to be hearing him. He's always speaking, but are we listening is mm-hmm. the question. And so I think that the call of following Jesus is it's one where we realize to that the work is already done. We're already saved. We don't have to earn our way to heaven or relationship with God. We already have it. So then we take it and God says, now let's do something with it. I'm not saying let's do something with it so that, you know, you'll earn anything from me. I'm doing it because I'm your father and I love you and I'm doing things in the world and I'm rescuing people and I'm reaching out to people and I'm creating pockets of heaven on earth. And I love you as my kid. And I want you to be involved in that. And if you're not involved in that, you're basically like a bird without wings. Cause you're not living up to the potential of what you were made to do. You're like a penguin. <laughs> that was good. I, I enjoyed that Thanks. last little part. And it's so true. And Thanks. I think complacency penguins can't fly. Yeah. What not, kind of bird is that? Yeah, Just call him a different animal. You're a Batman villain more than anything else. <laughs> there you go. One of the things that this conversation kind of drives me towards complacency is there is nothing that I'm going to do now. Mm. And contentment is I have been given everything I need to do what Mm. I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So I think about in Matthew 25, we get the, the parable of the talents Mm. quick overview of that parable. There's a wealthy owner of land and all sorts of things. And he calls in three of his servants and says, Hey, I'm going away for a while. I'm going to give all three of you some money, do good stuff with that money. And then he leaves. Talents was a currency. Yeah. It was a monetary form back in that. Wasn't like skills. It was. Yeah. It's not like you can now play the piano and then he walks away. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't do that. (laughs) So he gives all three of these guys money and one guy he gives five talents to, which is like a crazy, ridiculous amount of money. And Mm. he goes out and makes five more talents through trading and hard work and all that. He gives one dude two talents, which is also Mm -hmm. a very large amount of money. He gets two more. He gives one dude one talent, which is still a really significant amount of money. And Mm. he digs a hole and buries it. And Mm. that was his response. And when the master comes back to settle the account, the two guys who worked and doubled up, he says, you guys are amazing. You are good and faithful servants. Enter into Mm. the joy of your master. The one who didn't do anything, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. And what Mm. he's really trying to point out is I'm not holding you to the standard of these other two guys, but I gave you enough for you to do something with it. Wow. And when I think about us being content with where God's put us compared to being complacent, you might sit here and feel like you don't have what it takes to be Billy Graham. (laughs) That's okay. I know I don't. I don't either. God's not holding (laughs) you to Billy Graham standards, but he is going to hold you to the standard of were you responsible with what you were given because you have that, been yeah. given something. That's such a that's such a good word for the moment that we're in right now because as we talked about, you know, right now everybody is trying to reach others through streaming and through posting things online that encourage other people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's easy to like we talked about in the episode going through those stages of like I have an idea, I create, I try to make it good. I, th- I post it. I think it's going to be awesome. And then nobody, I get like one like and two comments and that's yeah. it. And it, it's easy 
it would be so easy for us and for so many of us listening where maybe God's given you a vision of he wants you to do something and reach someone or post someone or write something or, or, or contribute in some way that you think is going to encourage people. And maybe you don't have a platform that's this big where, you know, there's certain people I, I was noticing the other day, even more so than pastors right now, musicians and worship leaders, when, when they get on live stream, it's like the likes and the hearts mm-hmm. and the comments are just pouring in because everyone flock just knows that. Music. Musicians are way cooler. I can admit it. My best mm-hmm. friend is a musician. He is infinitely cooler than me. But it's easy to look at other people and their talents and what they've been given and the response to it and think, well, I can never do that. So I'm just going to bury my talent in the ground. I'm not going to even try. I'm going to just sit back. And same thing applies to you. You know, in the those of you guys listening, same thing applies in the reality of you might look at somebody and think they are so spiritual. They are so holy. When, when they pray, it's just so profound. They seem to have such a deep relationship with Jesus. I don't feel like I can have that. I don't feel like I'm that spiritual. I have all this sin I'm dealing with. And so because I can't be that person and I feel like I'll never be that person, I'm just going to bury my discipleship in the ground and just be complacent and not do anything with it. That's kind of the thoughts that are going through my head. Yeah. And those I think are exactly in line with what that passage wants us to be thinking the the real issue isn't because even think about one of the things that's amazing to me about the parable of the talents is the guy who receives two talents when he shows up before the master and has doubled up to four mm. compared to the guy who has 10. It'd be easy for me to look at it and say, I am less than half as important as this other guy. Mm. Yeah. And yet the commendation that he receives is literally word for word exactly the same as the guy next to him. Mm, And it shows the master wasn't grading on how much raw material did you bring back to me? He was grading on how responsible were you with what I gave you. And we can get in our mind that if somebody has a bigger platform, if they're more, more successful in ministry, if they seem more spiritual, that God is more happy with them than us. And if we would just, if we would just believe hard enough or, or pray hard enough or apply ourselves or work hard enough, we would reach their level. But because we haven't gotten there, then it's like, we feel guilty and we feel like, Oh, I'm just not, I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not doing enough. But God's like, Hey, I'm just, if you're just obedient, I'm pleased Mm -hmm. with you. Somebody I think needs to hear that. Maybe God has called you to go to old folks homes and visit the elderly and you're not posting it on social media. Nobody knows about it. You're not getting any likes or hearts or whatever. And you can look at somebody who is pastoring a mega church and think, well, they are more faithful. And so God has blessed them with something bigger. The reality is as long as you're both being obedient to what God has called you to do, you are equally being faithful. You're mm-hmm. equally being effective. You're equally being used by God. I just think people need to hear that. People need to understand that your value in the kingdom of heaven is not based on the outward appearance of how successful by the world standards your ministry or, or your thing is. And it's important to think your particular role can fill the gaps in where other bigger, for lack of a better term, more glamorous roles don't mm. fill in. That yeah. preacher may have a huge following and that worship leader, as soon as they jump on a live stream, may get thousands of people to come and listen to what they're doing and worship along with them. And all that's great, but they don't have your contact list. Yeah. They can't text the people that you can text. And so for they can't you, have that personal conversation that you can have. Exactly. And so and they don't have you, the time to. Yeah. So for you, 
texting those three people a verse from your devotions that you hope yes. encourages them. That's, that's ministry. ministry in a way that other people can't do. So don't yeah. overlook that because Jesus doesn't overlook that. Only you can be you and only you can fulfill the calling God has put on your life. The best thing you can do for God's kingdom is be faithful to your calling, not try to live out somebody else's. 